Hello and welcome to the Learn Chinese Insights podcast brought to you by ChineseLearnOnline.com, your progressive online Mandarin course. In each episode, I interview someone who has learned Chinese as a second language to find out how they learned it and what they're doing with it these days. And this episode, I'm happy to have Nick Howard. Uh, Nick, before we begin, can you give us a short introduction in Chinese and then we'll go from there? 好,沒問題。大家好,我是尼克,我是一個美國人來台灣差不多九年。yeah, almost nine years. And All right. Seven. And then uh, you said uh, before you were a professor, right? Yeah, I was uh, teaching at several different universities around Taiwan, including uh, still I part-time teach in places like Taipei or uh, other universities. Okay. Around <laughs> so what brought you to Taiwan in the first place? Uh, family, friends was a brother and sister from Jai who studied in my hometown and through a series of circumstances ended up meeting my family and we've our families have known each other close to 15 years now mm. and so um, I was working in the US as a computer programmer which was one of my majors and found that sitting in front of a computer eight hours a day and Programming wasn't quite for me, so I wanted to do something different. And then the Taiwanese friends were like, well, why don't you just come to Taiwan and see if you enjoy teaching? Because actually my other degree was in history. Mm-hmm. So I thought about um, becoming a history professor but had no experience teaching. So I figured I'd check out Taiwan for a year. And nine years later, I'm still here. <laughs> All right. So when you came here to, to get a job at a university as opposed to you know, a high school or a junior high school or a cram school, does that require more credentials? Uh, it depends on the situation and the school. So actually, when I first started teaching Taiwan, I worked part-time at a cram school, mostly teaching uh, adults, especially nurses who wanted to take a standardized test to go to the U.S. and work. And then I had to make a few connections and started working part-time in universities. And then once other universities found out what I did, then they hired me to come as well. So I guess once you get your foot in the door, then you get experience, which you can Yeah, it's, it's definitely one of the benefits to Taiwan culture, which is if you can build the right relationships and you can, you know, impress people with what you can actually do and back up what you say you can do, then you mm-hmm. can... Pretty much there's no limit to where you can be and what kind of this or work you can find here. Mm-hmm. Now, regarding Chinese, so before coming out here, had you learned, picked up any Chinese at all? Not at all, actually. I One of my majors is European history, so I hadn't even looked at Asia, to be honest. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> yeah. when, you, when you first got here, was learning Chinese a priority for you? It was, and a lot of that had to do with, A in Jai for five years and outside of wanting to eat in only maybe five different restaurants, Chinese is pretty much a city. And for me, a lot of it was just the independence because I had lived and worked on my own for several years in the States and it just felt 
hard to have to constantly rely on other people to take care of things for me. So mm. it, it ended up being something where it's like I pushed after the language for my own independence, but then too is, is I ended up spending a huge amount of my time with Taiwanese. And so it was just nice to be able to truly have discussions with them or understand cultural things that just don't translate well. Mm-hmm. So what was your approach? Did you sign up for a class or something, or what did you do? When I first came here, I took a class for around six months from Jai University and to get the basics. But actually after that, as I really felt that although I enjoyed my teachers, the things that were being taught in the classroom were not actually useful in the real world. It's like my, my, I remember my textbook didn't even teach you how to ask where the bathroom was until chapter 10. <laughs> so it's like these are things that you immediately require <laughs> mm-hmm. upon coming here. And so it really felt that the things that stuck in my mind were just after listening to people talk. And even if I didn't understand the whole sentences, word by word, I would hear repeated over and over again and just ask what that was. And then, you know, it may not come up in class for a long time. So I actually stopped officially studying Chinese after about six months. So what was your approach after that? After that, it was just basically talking to as many people as I can, um, really enjoyed the music and movies out of Taiwan. Because as American, you can get, uh, Hollywood becomes incredibly predictable. But looking at um, cinema based of Taiwan or China, actually got to enjoy and see things being used and have fun with it. So I pretty much spent all my time just finding ways to enjoy the language. So there was there was no structure to your approach. No, not really. Oh, okay. <laughs> so yeah. to this date, a lot of it, what happens is, is my speaking and listening are far beyond reading, and my writing is non-existent. But like even with reading, is if I talk to a friend and ask what the word is, and they tell me, I may actually know the word, but I've probably never seen it written down. So most of it was just sort of immersion. Mm-hmm. So even now, is is learning to read, is that a priority for you or no? Learning to read comes into play quite a bit. Learning to write, I can type. If I can use the Roma pinging and actually see the character, I can choose it. Mm-hmm. But reading comes in partially to play, especially when I did a lot of um, consulting work, and then I have to look through contracts, and that becomes a different monster. So mm-hmm. I, can, I can mostly read documents and understand the gist of what's going on but I do run into trouble if something gets too technical or for example politics I don't really spend a lot of time thinking about so if something becomes political then I tend to fall behind in that conversation Mm -hmm. all right so let's talk about work wise so you were you were teaching for a few years and then how did you Mm -hmm. transition from that into what you're doing now Oh, I've transitioned through a lot of things. So I was teaching for quite a few years. I mostly focused on adults, and I end up having a lot of different adult students who, in the South, there are a lot of industrial factories and manufacturers. And so I had a lot of students that either owned their own um, factory or owned their own business where they 
import something. And a lot of times their customers were from Europe or the US. And so they would spend a lot of time asking me uh, my advice or I would go through the materials with them. And after a good amount of time, I ended up just gathering a lot of material and then searching for the only information out of interest and then traveling to different um, industrial exhibits or conferences and starting to build the information to turn into a program. And so for three years previous to now, I ended up consulting for different companies, especially companies that are moving from being OEM into a brand. And then recently, as I found a business partner through my wife, one of her friends, and we started a, we, we still do the consulting side, but we actually wanted to start a co-working space in the South as a way to start building a community um, of both foreigners and Taiwanese who are looking to do something different than what they did previously. For a lot of foreigners, that's to walk away from their previous um, you know, work as a teacher and actually get to use their skills um, for a lot of Taiwanese to either gain a new skill or actually connect with people, uh, either foreigners or Taiwanese, to see a new industry or find a new career. Hmm, so that's interesting. So if a, let's say, a foreigner comes to you and says, uh, I've been teaching for a few years, but now I'm ready to do something different. So where would you go from there? Uh, a lot of times what we'll do is we'll look at what kind of skill sets or things they have to offer outside of teaching, or even some cases that they want to expand their own teaching. And so we have our own event space and venue, and we'll sit down and talk to them about maybe running a sharing program, whether it's something, it's a skill they want to share, whether it be music or graphic design. Um, and we'll usually introduce them to the community that way and let them see if there's an interest for what they want to build. Um, previously, my partner was in Taipei, and she actually started a skill-sharing community where she brought together Taiwanese and foreigners, and they basically ran their own classes or workshops where they would teach each other their skills outside of their job. So it could be dance, it could be poetry, it could be graphic design. And so we tried to part of that mentality south to Gaoshan. Interesting. So how do you find uh, the companies who, who require those type of skills? Um, a lot of it is just through different connections that we've had, that we've built, we've run, geez, last year. I think, I think we calculated from last year when we started until now, we've run over 100 events. Yeah. We've run 40-something workshops, and then we've joined other people's. And so a lot of it is is reaching out. And surprisingly is we have our own connections that we've built, but a lot of times is people, either presidents or managers and companies, will come to our events for their own personal interest or personal fun and find out what we're doing and then approach us about um, building a program with them. Mm, interesting. Mm-hmm. So the impression I get is that there are a lot of foreigners here who teach, who may have, like you said, other skills that could be valuable here, but uh, they don't know how to market those skills. And at the same time, there's also local companies who could bear, uh, who could benefit from having a foreigner with you know Western experience who can give them that insight. But uh, there needs to be a way to kind of match those two sides together. I guess that's where you come in. Oh, yeah, oh, definitely. And then, I mean, I'll, 
to be fair to a lot of foreigners is unfortunately the way Taiwan Taiwanese laws are set up, it is extremely hard for them to do anything outside of teaching and still maintain their ARC.、Mm. And so a lot of what we try and build is just an opportunity to see something different、mm-hmm. and to try something different. And so, the, like I said, they can come do a sharing. They Come talk to people and start to share those skills. And of course, there are a huge amount of yeah companies that do need that help.、Um, for example, we have one of the people who co-works inside our space is a Slovakian web designer, and he met another Taiwanese web designer who was working in our space, and they ended up forming their own company. And that kind of gave them the best of both worlds, whereas、mm. they could approach a lot of. Taiwanese companies with their ideas, but a lot of the design or mentality for the way the website should look or was European, and, and since a lot of the manufacturers here in Taiwan are looking for European customers, they were able to better design it to appeal to a European audience, which gave them a huge boost compared to like just a normal Taiwan-based web design group. So it works out quite well in some cases. Interesting. Now let's go back to when you you first came to Taiwan.、Uh, from the beginning, you were you were in Jai. Yes, I was in Jai for about five and a half years, actually. So obviously, in a place like that, there's there must not be much of a foreign community. Yeah, the foreign community is quite small. I remember while I was living there, I think the population of Jai is around three or four hundred thousand at this point. And they did a census. The foreign population was around or under a hundred. So while I was there, essentially, it's all the foreigners knew the other foreigners.、Hmm. So many times, the the different expats I've met in in bigger cities like Taipei and Taichung, they they tend to hang out with each other at the local kind of the foreign restaurants and things. So for someone to live in Jai. You're making a big commitment, kind of, to the local cuisine and local culture and language and everything that way, which could be good or bad depending on your personality, I suppose. Oh yeah, it's definitely up to you. So it's it's somewhere that I, I honestly chalk up the ability to doing everything in Chinese purely to living in Jai.、Right. Um, when I first came to Taiwan, I would go to Taipei maybe once a month as my you know Western break because I could easily get away without speaking Chinese. I could do everything in English, but with Jai is yeah, you really are making that commitment. But to me, that worked out a lot better. Is that you know if you move to another country. Why spend time with your own <laughs> countrymen?、Um, so you're not getting the full benefit. Yeah, you're not getting the full benefit, and it, it just felt that it made a lot of sense because at the end, language is simply a tool for communication, and especially communication to understanding another culture. So once I learned Chinese, it made a lot of sense to really dive into the culture. And I fully believe that the farther south in Taiwan you go, the better the food gets. So I'm very <laughs> thankful for that. <laughs> yeah, that's good. And how about、uh, the influence of of Taiwanese language? Like as you go south, do they use that more than they do Mandarin? Yeah, actually. Typically in Jai, the first thing someone will try to say to you will be in Taiwanese, especially after a certain age. Perhaps 
you know, 50 plus. So if you go anywhere in the market or go anywhere shopping, their inclination is to talk to you in Taiwanese first. So even, even if you're a foreigner, they'll still talk to you in Taiwanese first? Well, no, usually they'll freak out and try and look around for someone <laughs> who speaks English, but <laughs> uh, it, it does make a difference. And for Taiwanese, I can understand basics and I can say a few words. Uh, obviously, driving in southern Taiwan is that I can say all the dirty things <laughs> um, to yell at the taxi drivers. But um, outside of that... It, it is a difference, and there is an accent difference as well. Mm. So I, I would have to say that sometimes the words that come out of my mouth have probably been Taiwaneseized, however right. you want to say that, especially living in Jai, because that's the accent you come across most often. Right, yeah. Um, and now you mentioned you're married. Your wife, is she Taiwanese? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Do you, do you have any kids? We do not. Oh, okay. So recently we both started our own companies and that has been put on the back burner for now. Sure. And and how has that been as far as uh, the the cultural mix? Has there been any issues there? You like it? No, I, I do like it. I would say that when it comes to family, my wife's family is both quite traditional, but when it comes to our marriages, they don't stick to the traditional things too often. Um, so it's been quite easy. And then, you know, because I can communicate with them and my wife's family, pretty much only my wife speaks English. Her, mm. my, my sister-in-law can understand a fair amount, but my mother-in-law and then my wife's brother-in-law and everything, almost, or not almost, all our conversations are done in Chinese. Right. So um, they appreciate the fact that you can communicate with them. Yeah, so it comes into play because actually some of my wife's cousins happen to marry foreigners as well, but their parents or family don't speak Chinese. Mm. And so they're actually usually, if there's some large family gathering, they always ask if I'm there because they need someone to you know be able to communicate right, or, <laughs> with the or other foreigners. Yeah. yeah, or translate. So oh. it comes into play, but a lot of it's been fun. Like, for example, a Taiwanese wedding was quite an experience that actually works out really well. A lot of people in the U.S. go into debt over weddings. And then here, it's just everything pays for itself right. via red envelope. It's quite nice. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So long term, you plan to stick it out here? Uh, yeah, I do. The only consideration that we've talked about would be for because of the education system here and how we do want to deal with our own children and growing up with the style of education. Sure. So that's the discussion. But as far as I'm concerned, I'll probably be here quite a while. Okay, good. Well, I, I appreciate the your time with us. Uh, are there any links you want to share with the with the group where the people oh, can contact you or reach, or reach out to you? Yeah, if anyone is interested or looking for activities or a co-working space, they can look us up on Facebook. If they search in between one word, international, then they can find our space and a lot of our events. Or you can go to www.connectinbetween.com. Okay, and I'll add some links to the show notes too. Great. Okay, well, thank you, Nick. I appreciate that. No problem. Thanks for uh, giving me time to talk. <laughs> All right.